Viewer discretion advised. Welcome back. Talking Rock with Tom and Jason returns for our best season yet. And yes, this is our second season. We are going to be talking about all sorts of rock, metal, hard rock, mayhem. anything, mayhem, music this season. It is going to be a little bit different than last season when we talked about mostly mostly uh, classic albums. This time we're going to be having some classic albums as well, but in addition, some some newer stuff. Not necessarily totally new, but newer. Some of it will be really new. Uh, but we're going to have a bit of an eclectic mix of albums this semester. Or, not this semester. I'm, semester, I'm thinking yes, about college. Semester. You're right. I'm thinking about college. <laughs> you had it right. This season, we're going to be talking about a bunch of different albums uh, we got everything from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, recent days. We have everything to talk about that you can possibly want in the world of rock. So that's going to be something different this uh, I said semester. This again. semester. This semester. <laughs> I said semester again. Great. This semester at Talking Rock University Great. with Tom and Jason. Yeah, Talking Rock I'm Tom Professor and Jason University. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're also doing two new things this season. Thank you. Uh, we're bringing in uh, rock news, so every week Tom and I are just going to give you one quick piece of rock news at the top of the show. Now we're going to give you a quick top five list. It can be a top five on anything, guitarists, singers, uh, lyrics, anything really. We're going to be giving you that top five, so we encourage you to make your own top five as well. Uh, Tom, it is great to be back for season two. Like I said, our best season yet. Absolutely. This is going to be the most explosive, fiery, epic, like, disastrous, mayhem Semester, I guess. That's even a word, season out there. <laughs> Semester, season, saying I had to create a word just for it. Yeah. Uh, this, this is going to be fun. And, you know, hopefully we'll grow. We, uh, we thank our listeners for listening last season, and it's been growing a bit in the, t- in the two months that we've taken off, so we want to thank... Especially that one dude in Norway. Dude, you are awesome. <laughs> We want to thank everyone who's been listening, and like I said, we hope to grow this, and we hope to bring you bigger and better content each week. All right, so uh, let's start with Rock News, one of our new segments. Tom, what do you have in the world of rock this week? So it seems just recently, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they unveiled renderings for the museum's expansion. Major expansion will add an additional 500,000 square feet designated Sorry, excuse me, 50,000 square feet designated for the event space and on-site archives and interactive classrooms. Sounds pretty this cool. This is all coming to us according to YKY, no, no, WKYC.com. Okay. I don't know how credible they are, but if they are credible, this is pretty cool news. I think it's a Cleveland, like, station, I think, because the Rock Hall is in Cleveland. Yeah, and you're in, you're in Ohio, yeah, so this probably makes sense. I don't really watch those channels except for, like, football, but... I think that's what Sports. I think it's like CBS or something. But all right, uh, that's, all I got. that's pretty cool though. All right, my rock news. Uh, I'm gonna let you know about a new album that recently came out. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, the, the 19th of December, 2020. 
Well, uh, yesterday, Paul McCartney released uh, his new album, McCartney 3, December 18th, 2020. Uh, he plays all of the instruments on the album except for one of the songs two of his touring bandmates play on it as well. But it's pretty cool that he's 78 years old, he's still making new music, he's playing every instrument. Uh, I've heard that the album is pretty good. I haven't heard it yet, I haven't been able to listen to it yet, but I've heard it's very good, so I'm looking forward to listening to it, and he's a legend, so everyone should Paul's check 78. it out. Yep. I didn't realize how old he was. That's awesome. He recorded now, it. Now, does he even play drums on the album, yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. He recorded yeah. it in quarantine, I think. Like, in COVID times, quarantine. he recorded it. Yeah. That's insane. I swear, he never ceases to impress <laughs> me. Maybe it's a British thing. Like, Maybe. from being across the pond, you're, you're instantly better at everything. Yeah. Especially music-related. Yeah, I mean, there's only one Paul McCartney, so that's for sure. Exactly. Alright, well, let's get into our top five then. Uh, top five this week is going to be the top five concerts we have each ever attended. So again, we encourage you to make your own list if you want. Post it on the Facebook page. It's just Talking Rock with Tom and Jason. Hopefully we'll develop some more social media this year as well, but that's what we got right now. Uh, Tom, what are the top five concerts you've ever been to? And you got to rank them from five being the least great to one being the most great. Okay, I'm going to start by saying I'm not ranking it as least great. I'm liking it as, like, how do I word this? Like, they're all awesome, every <laughs> concert I've ever been to. Like, this is an incredibly difficult decision I had to make, but, like, how I ranked these, I'd love them all equally, but if I had to rank them in a particular order, this is what they would be. So, starting off at number five, I have this one thrash band called Warbringer. I saw them somewhere in northern Jersey not too long, or not too long ago, I could talk today. And, like, this was my first actual thrash metal concert. That being said, this was also my first mosh pit. Now, I'm not a very large person. I'm five foot four, weigh 120 pounds. Throwing a little dude like me into a mosh pit is quite literally like throwing a rag doll into a washing machine. <laughs> Throw some really awesome, really shreddy, really badass music over this, and you've got one hell of a night. This was truly a surreal experience for me. Again, the band is called Warbringer. They're insane. They're actually freaking awesome. A really good neo-thrash band. They really have that old-school thrash sound, if that makes sense. But that's my number five. Alright, number four. Number four. Oof, this was a hard decision as well. Number four. This concert was actually literally two days after Warbringer. <laughs> this band's called Guar. Oh, Now, if you don't know Guar... They're, like, a more fucked-up version of KISS. Like, there's, imagine if KISS was a bunch of... There's discretion coming into this. Exactly. Rated R. But, yeah, like, literally, if KISS was a bunch of alien, mutant, demon space monsters that pissed blood out onto you, that's what Kawhar would be. They're a really heavy metal band. They all dress up like these big, rubber, scary monster things. I was in the very front row at this concert. And, of course, I wore a white t-shirt to the concert, because I feel like that's customary. I left that night literally f soaked from head to toe in guar blood. My shirt was tie-dye. It's now proudly hanging on my bedroom wall. C like, talk about losing your cosmic virginity. Like, I feel like I really lost <laughs> a piece of that cosmic Tom, virginity. That Tom night. loves this man, Guar. He, I, he made I actually me dressed drive his... him, like, three hours in Virginia to some place called the Guar Bar, owned by one of yeah, the members of Guar. <laughs> Back when you were going to school in Virginia, I was visiting him for a weekend, and, like, 
I heard about this one little dive bar in their hometown of Richmond. And it's called the Guar Bar. It's literally an old dive themed around Guar. I'm like, dude, we have to go to this. He looked at me like, you sure? Like, yes, I'm sure. I've always wanted to go here. And for what it's worth, it was really, really good food. Like, it really, was. really I'll give good you that. food. It was, it was pretty good food. Yeah. Actually, last Halloween, I dressed up like the singer of Guar. Or the former singer, I should say. He passed away. God rest his soul. But, like, literally, I wore the rubber, like, mask and everything. The, co- the, the costume itself actually required me to wear fishnets. But that's a whole different discussion topic for another day. Oh, all right. That being said, my number three concert. This was actually one of my first concerts I've ever been to. Weird Al Yankovic. I saw him at Tom, the Showbook Casino. Tom, I stop you right there? What is this okay. list? You have Warbringer to Guar to Weird Al Yankovic. This is a summarization of all the music that I listen to. This is like our season that we're about to get into. Yes, it's eclectic. It's all over the place. I went from Weird Al Yankovic to Guar to Warbringer. Like, yeah, it's fun. But Weird Al, like, little, this was so good. Because this was, like, I guess the first real concert that I truly remember. Like, it was kind of a surprise one day. Like, my my mom, ow. <laughs> oh my, oh my god, I really wish, I really I wish all of you could see that. Tom just knocked his, uh, wow. he just bumped into his microphone. The <laughs> microphone hurt. stand kind of Ow. fell down and, and his headphones came out. That was hilarious. What was I talking about? Alright, never mind. What was <laughs> I talking Weird about? Al yeah, my mother, my mother surprised me and my brother with Weird Al tickets one day. And like, it was so fun. Like, Literally, before we walked out on stage, I was shaking. Like, because this, I was starstruck. I saw the man himself right in front of me. It yeah, was, was like your first real concert experience. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was so awesome. That's, a, again, a whole other discussion topic for another day. That being said, I'm going to move on to number two, which is Aerosmith. Now, actually, you were at this concert with me. This is before we actually met. That is true. I was in the nosebleed section. I think you were closer towards the pit. But, yeah. like, this show was amazing. This was actually my first real rock concert. Hmm. Like, this was after Weird Al, I believe, if I recall correctly. But Slash and Miles Kennedy opened up for him, so I got to see Slash and Aerosmith all within one night. I was, like, <laughs> I was crapping my pants. I was so happy. And, let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, it was Lang City. Boardwalk Hall. Man, it was so long ago. Yeah. It was 2014 on the Let Rock Rule Tour. That was so much fun. Yeah. And then, finally at the top spot, this is Kiss. Kiss is my top spot. Because I went to this concert wearing Kiss makeup. And prior to the show, I had spent about a year, like, collecting their discography. And hoarding as much Kiss merch as I could get my hands on. To, s- to see them in front of me, playing Detroit Rock City and all their hits... Wearing Kiss makeup, it was, like, everything I hoped it would be. And if you were actually at this concert with me, too. I was. It was, seems like a lifetime ago, but it was only, like, a, actually, like, a year and a half ago, or a little bit more yeah, than right. that. Yeah. I just realized I totally forgot to say number three, which is Van Halen. I think you, I think that's five. No, that was three. I have it written no, down. No, I mean, I think you gave five. Did I? No, I said Warbringer, Guar, Weird Al, Aerosmith, and Kiss, that's four. This is that's what the entire fine. season's gonna be like, folks. Tom, I mean, like, that's fine. Wait, count. Warbringer, Guar, Weirdo, Van Halen, Aerosmith. Fuck me. <laughs> we know how to count here on Talking Rock with All right, Honorable Mention, Van Halen. Yeah, there we go. Honorable Mention is Van Halen. 
Because this is the concert that started it all. Like, this is the concert, the first concert I've ever seen without a family member. Yes. It was you and me, we were in the pit, we saw Eddie Van Halen, like, literally, maybe 12 feet away from us. This is an honorable mention, just to avoid confusion. Alright. Anyway, All hopefully right. your list is more organized All than right. mine. Jason, go. I'm gonna do my list, yes. Alright. Uh, top five concerts I've been to. Uh, I'm gonna keep this pretty concise, but just give you a few, one or two details on each show. Rolling Stones in Newark at number 5. 2012, 50th anniversary. They only played five shows that year. This was the last of those uh, five shows they played that year. It was broadcast on pay-per-view all over the world. It was awesome. First time I saw the Stones. Number 4. Paul McCartney in Philly back in 2010. I had a pretty good seat on the floor. And Paul McCartney, like I just mentioned about in the Rock News, is just an absolute legend. He and the Beatles were my first really introduction to music. Uh, when I was like three years old, I loved them. I loved singing their songs and watching old videos of them. So Paul McCartney, number four. Uh, number three, this happened almost two years ago now. Last, or not two, yes, yeah, so like January 2019, I was in Los Angeles on vacation and there was the Chris Cornell tribute concert going on when I was there and I decided to go and it was money uh, well worth it or whatever you say it I, I just butchered that but money well spent money, money, money well spent this is going to be the entire go. season yeah. folks money well spent uh, Chris Cornell tribute concert was awesome you had musicians from every genre really uh, singing Metallica his songs Metallica Miley Cyrus Metallica was there Miley Cyrus was there it was a five hour concert in honor of Chris Cornell All, uh, his band's or at least members of his old bands, Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, Audio Slave, all performed. Uh, it was awesome. It was really emotional, especially when uh, uh, Miley Cyrus gave a really great rendition of the Temple of the Dog song, Sail Out of Heaven, and his daughter, Tony Cornell, sang a song, and that was emotional. So it was a really great night. Uh, number two, this was last summer. I was with my friend Tristan in Las Vegas, and we went to see Aerosmith during their... Las Vegas residency, and it was awesome because last minute I upgraded, to, well, Aerosmith's always awesome, but last minute I upgraded to these, like, seats, I mean, it was GA, but these seats that were on the side of the stage, so you were standing on the stage with Aerosmith and listening through these headphones, through this iPod device to the sound mix, and you could either listen to whatever Steven's hearing in his in-ear monitors, or you could listen to just the most clear crisp uh, sound mix of the show and it was awesome you know being on the stage with them right there i'm a huge aerosmith fan so that was a dream same here uh, and number one would have to be guns and roses in philadelphia 2016 early on in the not in this lifetime reunion tour there was so much hype surrounding this tour the anticipation was great i couldn't wait to get to the show uh, I bought a pit ticket, and I ended up on the first row on, it was GA, but I ended up in the first row on Slash's side. I stood right in front of Slash the entire show. It was awesome. You know, they play a long show. They play close to three hours. A lot of these shows. You got some of Slash's perspiration yeah. on you. You absorbed part of a guy. I got a Duff McKagan pick. It was it was really cool. It was a really great night. Um, yeah, so that's my list. A lot of the bands well and a lot of the shows on here were actually long concerts. I guess I like going to long shows, but uh, that was much more organized than my list. <laughs> All right, well, uh, it's finally time to get into the album re review. 
Season 2, Episode 1. We are going to be starting off with a classic, even though this is going to be more an eclectic mix this uh, season. Not semester, season. I almost did it again, semester. but I didn't. No <laughs> um, semester, you're right. We're going to be doing Let It Bleed by the Rolling Stones. came out in 1969, and this is my favorite Rolling Stones album. Now, Tom, I know you're not the biggest Rolling Stones fan, but... Uh, I'm glad that we're able to review one of their records because they are an iconic band. Yeah, they definitely are. And I realized that as I was listening to this, because they have so much in this album. Blues, R&B, like, rock, it's a lot. of course. Yeah. It, it was a lot to take in, like, in my initial sitting of this entire album. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is... As someone who's always been more of a Beatles fan than mm-hmm. the Stones... Yeah, so a couple more quick album notes here. Uh, This is personally my favorite Rolling Stones album, so this was a Jason choice this week, and uh, I'm glad that we're able to do it, obviously. Uh, This is the last Rolling Stones record to be recorded with Brian Jones before his passing, such a huge part of the 1960s Rolling Stones era. Now, I will say I know who that is, because the song Painted Black is actually about him. Hmm. They found him at the bottom of his swimming pool, and then they wrote Pain and Black. Pain and Black? On a lighter note. Pain and Black, wasn't that written before he died? No, I think it was right after he died. Alright, you might be right. Because where it was. Maybe. Like I said, I've always been more of a Beatles fan yeah. than Stones. But that's... Yeah, Brian Jones, yeah, he did He did die drowning. Yeah. Um, number... Or, not number. Why am I doing this? I'm all over the place. This is going to be the I'm entire season, the season folks. two jitters. Season 2 jitters early on here. It's going to get much more smooth. Don't worry, folks. Um, Will it, though? <laughs> let it bleed. Uh, on the UK album charts, it went to number one, uh, briefly dethroning the Beatles' Abbey Road. So that's pretty incredible since Abbey Road is considered... I mean, this is considered one of the greatest albums ever, too, but Abbey Road is... Most people consider probably closer to, like, top ten all the time. Um, I think it's funny, though. The Beatles have let it be... And the Stones have let it bleed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stark in, in America, this went to number three. Uh, but it's there was exactly. definitely, you know, back and forth between the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, and then the last album note I have for you is it did get rave reviews back in the day, and it still does. Uh, 2020 in 2020, so this year, uh, Rolling Stone, the magazine, uh, ranked this album number 41 of all time and the greatest albums of all time. So it is highly respected. Indeed. Rightfully so. All I right, personally Tom. would have ranked it a little bit higher, but, you know, <laughs> All right, Tom, let's finally get into it. Our season yes, two premiere album it. review. Let it bleed. Starting off with the track Gimme Shelter. Tom, your thoughts on Gimme Shelter. I actually knew this song. It's been eons since I've actually listened to it, but I know it by title. Now, what's that instrument in the beginning? That kind of... Is that a glockenspiel? Or... I'm not, I have no idea. Either way, I love it. Because this whole song sounds like it could be playing in like some Polynesian dive bar. And that's I love that like kind of <laughs> sense of ambience that it portrays. Yeah. On top of everything else, it's just a very relaxing song. It, it's very serious matter, though, because I think, it, you know, if you listen to the words, you know, rape, murder, but, yeah, the, you know, but I think it did, was at least somewhat inspired in some of the songs on here as well by the Vietnam War, I think I read that Mick Jagger once said, 
Um, so but I think just all the craziness in the world. But yeah, those those haunting notes at the beginning of the song uh, get me every time. I love that. And it's and then the voices come in like the. All right, yeah, that was not good, but <laughs> everyone knows what I mean. It's beautiful. Um, I like and Keith's guitar, or yeah, I, I'm gonna call him Keith by the way. Okay, that's his on. Instagram name. Good. Keith, his guitar solo in this song is sick. Yeah. And the whole entire time as he's playing the solo, I'm reminding myself, this is Jack Sparrow's father <laughs> in Pirates of the Caribbean three. Captain oh, Teague Sparrow is a killer guitar player. Yeah, like, I, didn't, I didn't even think of that. Yes, right. Like, <laughs> it shines a whole new light on the Rolling Stones. I guarantee it. Yeah, that solo anyway, is good. His and guitar solo is awesome. That solo is good, and then uh, there's like this guitar, like that Keith or Keith, if you want to call him that, does right before Mick starts singing the the first verse, and I really love that. That's one of my favorite parts of the song, and there's the back and forth between Mick Jagger and Mary Clayton, the female guest vocalist. She's so powerful. She nails it soulful definitely yeah. um, it doesn't sound like a typical 1960s song it's so more advanced and it holds yeah, up really. really well it's it's my I feel like this was gone oh i'm just saying it's it's my favorite rolling stone stone song ever um and it's in my opinion my humble opinion one of the best songs ever period in my humble opinion <laughs> what was i saying i was saying something i have no Never idea mind. not important Let's move on. Okay. Love and Vain. No, that's good. Love and Vain. Track number Love two. There's a huge tonal shift here. Yes. Like, went from a banger, I don't want to say fast paced, but no. yeah, just a rock song. Yeah. To a straight up blues song. Mm hmm. Like, this sounds like a really, really old this, it, it, song. It is. You're right. Uh, this is the only cover on here. Uh, it was originally done by Robert Johnson in the 1930s. So there you go. You know, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Because, like, I was listening to it, and, like, this sounds a lot like a really old-school 1930s <laughs> blues song. Yeah. Like, when the genre first started. And I was having, like, suspicions that it was a cover, but I didn't... I wasn't, like, entirely sure. But, yeah, like, you yeah. heard it here, folks. Love in Vain is a cover. And there's a mandolin solo, too. <laughs> like, that real high-pitched, like... Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to try to re-emulate it, no. but... You know what a mandolin sounds like? Yeah. It's like a really yeah. high-pitched guitar. Yeah, the, I wrote in my notes, like, it feels like a really old blues song. Because <laughs> it is a really old blues song. <laughs> you got that one. But yeah, the Rolling Stones are heavily, heavily influenced by early blues pioneers, um, such as Robert Johnson. And they even put out a blues cover album a few years ago. So they really love their blues, and it's definitely a big part of their sound. Gotta love the blues. I like the... the I guess the word is twangy. I like the twangy yeah. guitar sound that... That they have Definitely in this song, and uh, you know it's slow, and it, yeah, it has sort of that—it's like a country blues vibe. Yeah. But I—I I actually really like it, and I think mixed vocal performance on here, holding out notes and reaching for some notes, uh, really elevates the song. And it gets that soulful bluesy voice mm -hmm. too. All right, let's move on to song number three, "Country Honk," the country version of their song "Honky Tonk Women." Uh, Tom, and another complete total. Do you shift. know? Do you know the song "Honky Tonk Women"? I don't think I do. You might if you heard it. It's a hit. What album was that on? Uh, maybe Beggar's okay, Banquet. Maybe I'm not sure. Because I have a few Rolling Stones albums actually laying around in my house. Mm. They belong to my father, and I guess I kind of inherited them. 
He's Tom, Tom's got, we got to teach Tom uh, some more Rolling Stones hits. Yes, start a petition online to teach me <laughs> their entire discography. But yeah, anyway. th- this is a country version of that song, Hunky Tonk Women. Uh, I like the original version of the song better. Tom can't really comment on that, but uh, yeah, it, no it's an interesting words. take on the song, uh, this country version. Uh, the country twang with the fiddle is pretty cool. Uh, fiddle is always yeah, cool. Solo is good. Yeah, is that, it, it, is that Keith on violin, or did they get a story? I'm not sure. That? That'd it, be cool if it was Keith. It sounds like this is a song, though, that could be played at like a local bar in the Old West, like in Back to the Future 3. Yeah, right. Like with the ZZ Top <laughs> band. In Old Saloon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a country the music fan, really, but uh, especially modern day country music. Like, modern day country music just. Ugh. Like I can take, a whole other discussion I can topic. take in, I can take in some doses like old school country, but, but, but I did like this song. <laughs> I can't, I can't at all. But again, that's a whole nother Nothing. discussion. Tom topic. doesn't like country anything, I guess. Negative. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? Nothing. I was just saying, and I did like this song, even though I'm not really a country music fan. Yeah, it's still got it has Keith's guitar and it has Jack's voice. I'm going to call him Jag, by the way. Okay, you know, go ahead. That's how I wrote him in my notes. Jag is Mick Jagger, and Keith is Keith Richards. <laughs> that being said, we can move on to the next track, which is Live With Me. This is more upbeat nope. sounding. This was my personal favorite because it has a bass intro. <laughs> if you want me to love any song, like any song ever, put a bass intro into it. As a bass player, I live for this stuff. And for clarity, if yeah, if you didn't know, Tom and I used to play in a band, and Tom was the bass player. I was the bass player. I play bass. <laughs> bass. But yeah, it's more upbeat sounding, which is nice too, though, since the past two songs were slower, and the first one was a little bit faster, you know, than the first two, but not as much as this one, and it was a much more serious song. Yeah, live, this is definitely live an all-out rock song. Yeah, I, I, I think it's an underrated song on the album. Yeah. True. And there's a sexy sex solo, too. <laughs> Speaking of sex, I'm pretty sure there's some sexual windows in there as well. <laughs> I Place th- for you between the sheets. I'm pretty like, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's come Mick Jagger. He's not talking about a sleepover. <laughs> well, a type of sleepover, maybe. Maybe a type of sleepover. <laughs> A type of sleepover, but not the conventional kiddie no. sleepover that no. I'm referring to. No, 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 no. You know what that means. I know what that means. We all know what that means. <laughs> all right, let's move. And if on. you don't know what that means, find out what it means. Yeah. Let's Please. move on. Uh, uh, let's see. Let it bleed. The last song on side one. If you have the vinyl of this, which I think I do. Uh, it's the title track, obviously. Well done. Let it bleed. Let Tom, it bleed. Tom, let it Tom, bleed. No. Let it be. Mixed Speaking vocals sound. Wisdom, Tom, are you done yet? Heed. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, this is the title track. Yes. Very bluesy. Now, as I was listening to this, I feel like it reminded me a lot of something Ace Freely might listen to. Hmm. Like. Maybe that's just me. I've heard some of Ace's solo stuff, and it sounds a lot like the tone of the song. I think song. he is influenced by the Rolling Stones. I think Ace is a fan. I'd be surprised if he wasn't, because I feel like this is his era. But I love the guitar solo. Again, I mean, it has, like, Kiss, Kiss sings that is the song uh, 2000 Man. It's a, yeah, that's right. It's, that's a Rolling Stones cover, so. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it also has that kind of twangy vibe to it, like you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. 
The slide guitar is cool. Oh yeah, I love the slide. Like the, <laughs> he probably has like that glass roll in his finger that he's moving up and down. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Like I love it when bands. Yeah, use me that. too. And, and Keith, he uses it well, very very well. I don't think Keith played the slide guitar. I think it was someone else on this song. But really, I'm not studio sure. guy or somebody else in the band? I think it was like a studio guy, but I'm not sure. Or like a touring guy, I'm not sure. That fucks with me. <laughs> But, For argument's sake, we'll say it's Keith. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Mick's vocals, I thought, sounded a little bit different on this song. It's like it's like he's trying to do something different to his voice, but at times you still hear a signature Mick shine, like when he sings the line, they will always be open, but like I felt like he kind of like disguised it a bit, like it was a little deeper. Yeah, I mean, he's, you can still tell it's Jag, but mm -hmm. he's trying to make himself sound a little bit different. You look a little it's like when, more like classical like, blues, like I don't know. Yeah. It's like when Steven Tyler sings with like a higher pitch or like a higher falsetto. Mm -hmm. Or if he goes lower, mm -hmm. he uses a lower voice instead of his usual mid range. Mm -hmm. Well You can still tell it's him. It's about as blatantly obvious as a third ass cheek <laughs> that it's still him. <laughs> well but he's doing something different enough. Speaking of the blues, the next song is all blues, basically, and that is Midnight Rambler. And the more famous version of this song, I, I would like to point out, is the live version of, of it on the album, Get Your Yaya's Out. And I think that is the better version. But this is a still, uh, this is still a, cool, a cool, very bluesy original. And I like harmonicas, so I like the, har yeah, yeah. the harmonica as a prominent instrument in the song. And it's unique because it gets quiet at one point. It basically comes to a complete stop before picking up again. Yeah. Like, I know Aerosmith does that as well. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to this being a very, very integral classic rock album, seeing as how it influenced so many people, like, they have that kind of raw... It sounds electric, almost. You can tell it's a harmonica, but it's, like, amplified, so it sounds like it's, for lack of better terminology, an electric harmonica. And they use that here, like, really, really well, might I add. Let's see, I'm, like, it's just so damn bluesy, this whole song. <laughs> the name is cool. I mean, Midnight Rambler. Sounds, yeah, Midnight Rambler. Honestly, this sounds like it would be playing in a dive bar somewhere yeah. in the city. I can say the same about a lot of other tracks on this album. <laughs> this song in particular, I feel like this would be in, like, some Midwestern, like, biker dive bar. <laughs> Bunch of, like, ZZ Top-looking motherfuckers <laughs> pounding, like, Jack and Coke. <laughs> shooting pool. I can totally see that. Each other. <laughs> I can see that for sure. Yeah. Eating, like, bowls of nails without any milk. I can see that. The next song is You Got the Silver, song number seven, and it is the only song on this album and one of the few songs, not a few, I mean, he has more than a few, but one of the songs in the band's discography that Keith Richards uh, sings lead on. So he takes over lead vocals for this one, and uh, it's very much a country blues song. Um, that It has that twangy guitar sound again, and it really all comes together, though, at the end when it gets louder and faster. I'm curious on your take on this because, you know, you're not really a, you know, like you said, a country music fan. I'm not really a country music fan either, but like I said, I, I kind of like some of the elements it can bring. So, like, I'm curious to hear what you think. Well, in my notes, I actually wrote, Jack's voice sounds cleaner here. <laughs> like, there's something different about it. And, again, I had suspicions, like, wait a minute, is that Mick Jagger or is that somebody else? And you mentioned it's Keith, so this is yet another mind-blowing revelation. 
in this podcast about the Rolling Stones and this album. This is Keith on vocals. I didn't even, I literally didn't even know he sang. Yeah. Talk about losing your cosmic virginity. And, and like I if you like go to see, if you go to see them live, normally like during the midway point of the show, Keith sings like two songs. That's awesome. So Captain Teague Sparrow also has a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> Runs in the family. What did you think about Con of the Country feel? Because like I said, I know I know I know that you don't really like country stuff. I can forgive it because it's the Rolling Stones <laughs> and there's slide guitar, and it's a pretty short song overall. But there's a really cool drum feel. That kind of leads into sort of a mini jam, if you mm. will. I did like that, despite it having a lot of kind of country elements. Yeah. But overall, I really, I did enjoy it. Good. Um, really well the next song is, it's funny because I was watching the TV, a rerun of the TV show, How I Met Your Mother, yesterday. Oh, and this God. is re- like right after, a couple of hours after I did, took notes for this album review. And this song started playing in the, at the beginning of the episode, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. But the song is Monkey Man. Uh, it is another underrated track. It's one of my favorite Rolling Stone songs to listen to. Uh, it puts a pep in your step, and the lyrics are kind of cool. Like, my favorite line is... It's kind of weird, the, lyric, the lyrics are kind of weird. Kinda but my weird. favorite line is, uh, I'm a cold Italian pizza, I could use a lemon squeezer. <laughs> I wrote that yeah. in my notes, too. Yeah, <laughs> really, like, all I, of I the lyrics are interesting. <laughs> I simply wrote clever lyrics next to it, but I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And it could be a funky monkey, too. <laughs> it is kind of like a funky song. Funky monkey. Yeah. It's a funky monkey song. Mick does some really cool high stuff with his voice at the end, too. Yeah, like monkey noises. Yeah. <laughs> like Mick, monkey, Mick the monkey. Mick's making monkey noises. <laughs> and another good Keith solo, of course. Hmm. I feel like I hear a lot of Jag's voice and Steven Tyler's like overall persona. You can tell he definitely loves the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I I think Joe Perry wrote in his autobiography that he and uh, I think he and Steven went to see the, the Stones at the Boston Garden back in the day, like before the Arrows made it big. And I think I think he said that Tyler was a big Rolling Stones fan. So that makes sense. Yeah, true. That's pretty cool, though. Really harkening back to his roots. <laughs> uh, but and again, going back to what I said earlier about this being an integral classic rock album, literally influencing generations upon generations of musicians. Yeah. Very well done. And that's a good segue into the final song on the record. Uh, it is a uh, it is a a pretty very well known song, probably one of the most well known songs by the band. And so the album starts with. A huge hit and gimme shelter and it ends with a huge hit with you can't always get what you want uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah song. ain't that the truth <laughs> yeah that's for damn sure this whole album is just one really awesome sandwich and the buns are gimme shelter and you can't always get what you want two really awesome big savory buns holding in all the delicious meat in the inside of this beautiful sandwich. All right, Tom, that's a very uh, interesting way of putting it, and it also makes me hungrier than I already am, because I am yeah, dude, starving. Yeah, starving. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyway, but, there's a French horn in the beginning. It, like, I thought the French horn was really cool. Is there? That's what it sounds like. I put French horn question mark in my notes. Hmm. Like, listen to it. I don't recall that. Bit. 
during the opening like mini chorus thing. Yeah, that that this, choir right the verse that starts. choir is pretty cool. Like it's like this awesome. It's awesome that it kind of starts with this like gospel beginning with the choir, and then it ends with it being fast and jumpy. Yeah, it almost sounds like a gospel song. Like that part, like those elements, because of the choir. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a beautiful song and it's beautiful guitar and keyboard sounds. Uh, everything, like you said, on this album kind of comes together with such a perfect close, especially at the end of this song where it's upbeat and kind of lifts your spirits up. Uh, even though, you know, it is, you can't always get what you want, you know, everything, everything seems to be okay, you know, and, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, Charlie Watts, I haven't mentioned him, but his drum playing on here is one of my favorite parts of this uh, album, and especially in the last minute, I think it's great, and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, so like right when the song let's give a shout out to the other members, not just Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, we got Charlie Watts, we got Brian Jones, uh, who was kind of at the end of his Stones Dead. run, and got fired during the, uh, during the recording and then died like less than a month later but and then mick, mick taylor coming in to play guitar his first uh taste with the stones you got bill wyman who was on bass and you know you mentioned the bass at the beginning of live with me so yeah shout outs to all of them as well yeah credit will be given where credit is due i'm sure they all each individually contributed to this album and it wasn't just mick and keith you know, it's it's also it's also because Mick and Keith though. You know, I feel like this happens a lot where, well, not just that they're front and center and they play two prominent instruments, vocals and guitar, but they're the main songwriters. So I mean, they get a lot of the credit from just that. You know, every song pretty much says Jagger Richards. You know, well, for yeah, songwriting. Well, yeah, got Lennon McCartney, you got Tyler and Perry, Plant and Page. Yeah. Like that's historically. Like, the singer and the lead guitar player are always, like, the most instantly recognizable people yeah. in the band. Yeah. Even Jagger Slash Richards. and Axel. Yeah. Well, that's it for uh, the album Let It Bleed. Let's give our final takes. Tom, your overall thoughts on this album. Let it bleed. Let it bleed. Let it bleed. <sighs> let it bleed. I really want to cut this out of the album review. <laughs> no, no, keep it in. Okay. Uh... You know, there was a lot to unpack in this album. I'd go as far as to give it a nine. Tom, so, Tom. I'll just get one to ten, like one through ten. Nine would be like right under ten. Tom. So I guess a solid A. Yeah, okay, there you go. I was like, what are you doing? We're doing great. See what I did there? Yes, yes. All right, well, I'm going to go with the same grade, even though I hate to do that, but the same grade. I'm going to give it a day. Uh, I think the Rolling Stones have a couple albums that could be given A grades, but I think this one kind of just shines a little bit above. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that like Exile on Main Street, uh, Sticky Fingers, uh, Beggar's Banquet. There's like a really great run of Rolling Stones albums right there. That was probably prime Rolling Stones, but I think this is my favorite, and it just, I don't know, it just there's something about the songs and the, the mix and the elements on the songs and just... With Gimme Shelter and you can't always get what you want being on it, I gotta go with an A. Yeah, like, I'm sure if I was more familiar with the Rolling Stones, I'd give it a higher grade. <laughs> like, for a Rolling Stones virgin, for lack of better terminology, like, upon my initial listening to of this album, I'd say a solid A. Like, not an A+, plus, not an A-, minus, just simply... If, Tom, if Tom's going to want to do this uh, number thing, I guess I'll give it a 9.5. There you go. There we go. Nine, yeah, 9.5. There we go. <laughs> All 
Right. There we we're go. Awesome I guess I guess we're doing that now. I guess I guess we're giving uh, letter grades and numerical grades. Okay. Why not? All right. I mean, after all, this is Tom and Jason University. This semester is going to be epic. <laughs> All right. This season's going to be a disaster. That's it for episode number one. Thank you for listening. We're going to get this out there really soon to all of you listeners. We want to keep growing this. Uh, We're going to keep getting better. I hope you like the added elements to this season and kind of the eclectic mix of albums we're going to be doing. I mean, you don't know which albums we're going to be doing yet because we're kind of keeping that a secret. Just the fact that we are doing more, more of a mix is going to be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, the unscriptedness. Uh, next week, Tom is leading the charge with Green Day's. Uh, what are the What is the album we're doing next week? Oh yeah, twenty first <laughs> century breakdown. There we go. Tom is leading that. Green, <laughs> what a Green Day's emoist albums. So we're going from Rolling Stones totally to Green important. Day. So uh, that kind of just shows you what we're in for this season. Have fun, folks. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next week or something like that. At least we don't know. We record when we feel like it. But something like that. It's normally about a week between when we record. We'll see you soon. Stay safe. See ya.